Yes, folks, episode number 31, the Uticast. We're back. How's it feel, buddy? Uh, it feels the same way. It feels every week. You ask me how I feel, and I don't. I know. No, I just, I feel. Well, I feel. Well, you'll feel better. Um, our good, good friend, good friend of the podcast, good friend of real life, Mark Simon is here to talk about his brand new uh, photo business that he's promoting. Very exciting. Um, that's it, man. Let's just uh, dive right in. Do it. I like it. I'm, I'm for it. You to cast. We're back. Winter doldrums are settling in. Are they settling in, or do you just want an excuse to use the word doldrums on the show? No, no, it's real. Okay, it's real. fair enough. Um, and it ties into something that I've been trying to talk about for a while on the show. Yeah. Uh, and it hasn't really seemed like the right moment ever. We've sort of uh, beaten around the subject, and that would be seasonal depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I suffer from a little bit of this, uh, but we'll get into that in just a second. I want to uh, I want to shout out somebody real quick. I have a uh, very close personal uh, friend, family, whatever. I don't doesn't matter. Someone I'm very very close to, very very close to for a long time, and they are going through a very tough situation at the moment. Um, I wouldn't call it a rehab center, but they're they're on sabbatical, dealing with uh, depression and uh, personality and psychology based issues. Uh, and it makes me sad because this is a person who I've known for years and years and years. And it's, and it's rough to look at somebody who, you know, and love and watch them go through a situation like this, where it's just very, uh, I don't know. The answers aren't, you know, if you get a broken leg, right, you go to the doctors, you know, what needs to be fixed. But inside your brain, inside your head, those emotions that you can't quantify, it's scary to me. And I'm just wishing the best of luck uh, to him or her. Uh, I love you, and we'll see you soon. And yeah, so there you go. Just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, I will say real quick, because I do know who you're talking about, and although I'm certainly nowhere near as close with that person as you are, Mm -hmm. you know, I do know that person, and you know, it sucks. And you pull for anybody going through a struggle... And, you know, I feel bad because not just, you know, seasonal depression kicks in for a lot of people. Mm. And I think some people just claim it because they're bummed yeah. out because it's been cold for a long time. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, anytime anybody's struggling with something like that, like, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head and you said something like, you know, you break your leg, you know what you have to do to mm-hmm. fix it. You know what the problem is, you know what the solution is. Yeah. And I think it's a little bit tougher for people, you know, dealing with, you know, mental stress and depression mm. and whatever other issues, anxiety they might have like that. That's a tough thing, you know, my heart goes out to anybody dealing with something like that, and I feel bad because it's such a serious thing, and when you started talking about seasonal depression, how you've been trying to talk about it for, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks, I had so many good jokes ready to fire off. (laughs) Yeah. Just tons of good jokes, but now I'm not going to, because it's kind of a serious moment. Well, you know, it's it's an interesting thing. I've pretty much, uh, I've relegated myself to the fact that I'm going to quit my job. I've decided that today. Uh, Does your job listen to the show? I don't care. That's fine. I mean, I'm not super concerned about oh. it. And if they do, okay. then now they know. Uh, I think I'm going to quit, though. And I'm wouldn't. And i not that kind of guy. I wouldn't just leave. I would put my two weeks in. I would work through the rest of my shifts sure. because that's what I do. Um, but as I sat there, as I woke up this morning at 6.30 in the morning, and I stared outside and realized I had about two hours to get to work, I realized those two hours were the last two hours of enjoyment and freedom I would have for the rest of the day. And it really really brought me down and it was it was a struggle to get out of bed this morning to go to now, work how much of that do you think has to do with because you know you we've talked about your job before i know that you don't really like it all that much don't find any fulfillment out of it but how much of that is something that we have to expect in the fact that we'll probably have to go to work for the rest of our lives you know what i mean like how much that is the job and how much of that is just like in yeah your head and would be the situation no i matter think where your job was. i think it's both certainly um yeah. It ties into what I'm talking about. When you when you have um, when you have a history of depression 
or these moments of depression, you can almost feel it coming on. And I could feel it this morning. Just the thought of the rest of the week and the idea of having to wake up out of my bed when I was surrounded last night by all my good friends enjoying ourselves, having a good time. Yeah. Um, former guest of the former guest of the show, Mike Beck, once made a quote to me about working, and he said, "You know, even even the best kind of jobs, uh, you hate doing thirty percent of the time, right?" Yeah, um, it's true. But I think there's a limit. You know, I said it to somebody today via text when I was talking about this. Uh, I would take less money if I knew that I wouldn't be as depressed going to work every morning, and that's. That's probably a bad sign, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I think yeah. you're probably right. So it looks like the uh, the job hunt is on. Oh, it's on. I've been on. It looks like so. Indeed.com all day to long. To any of the two or three listeners, were you listening? Were you on Indeed.com on your work computer or like on the work Wi-Fi my network? My, or on my um, on my cell phone. Was your cell phone connected to their Wi-Fi network? Yeah, I'm not worried about that though. <laughs> Interesting. I get, I get renegade. It. You're a renegade. I get it in the emails. They email me job updates through hey, things. Fair so, enough. You got to check yeah. the emails. All right, let's move on to something uh, less seasonally depressing. Um, so we uh, we had a little bit of an event this week. Well, you, I don't know if you were involved. I was involved in it, certainly. Shout out to our good friend at We Are The Signal, John Howard, who invited uh, me and a few members of the Maiden Utica crew to be involved in a piece he's working on about uh, alcohol and books. Which we that seems pretty up the alley. Yeah, right up the alley for us. So uh, keep an eye out for John Howard doing good work at We Are The Signal. Uh, we were involved and in that, that piece. That'll be coming up, and we can talk a little bit more about that. But without giving away too much of what it was, part of the piece did involve everybody who was there drinking. Yes, you know drinking. I mean? People had to drink. Now, I couldn't go because I was at work. I didn't mm-hmm. get to work till a little bit later. So I came back home, and everybody was upstairs at the upstairs apartment, and I just, mm. like, I walked in. I don't know what you maniacs were up to, mm. but everybody was hammered mm. and playing crazy board games when I got home. Yes. Uh, hammered. Let me say this. I was under the impression that for this piece, this is what I was led to believe, for this piece, I was to be intoxicated so that I could accurately describe the difference between going to a venue sober and going to a venue intoxicated, right? Okay. Now, mind you, I'm not a guy who gets drunk that much. So for me Ooh. to get drunk off of a couple beers is pretty tough for me. So what I did is I went out and I bought a $10 bottle of Clan McGregor blended scotch in, like, the flask size bottle, and I drank that. I wish I could have, like, an oh, gross reaction for you for, no. you know, for the show purposes. No. But when I came home, I finished what was left of the bottle to try to catch up to all you people. Yes. So, you know. You did finish the rest of the bottle. Did you notice how much of that bottle was left when you got it? Very little. Very little. Very, it was a bad little. decision for me to drink that much. I'm not. So we'll have, we'll have some more details <laughs> and we'll talk a little drink. more about what went on there uh, as, soon as, uh, as soon as the signal gives us the signal. Yes, it's true. Uh, folks, we uh, only got one mailbag question this week. It's a good one. Okay. But I want to remind the folks and listeners, please. Send us any interesting or fascinating or curious email questions you'd like us to address or answer at uticast at gmail.com. Taking all your mailbag questions. So we got one mailbag question. One mailbag. Uh, I'll save that for the the end segment. It's a good one. What are we... Okay. But, um, you know, that's about it for the day. So, And I also want to touch on one more thing. Um, There's a gentleman who we promised could come be on the show as an interview. Gentleman named Andrew Sullivan. No, see, this is your your he he doesn't want to come be interviewed. No, he wants us. He doesn't want to be interviewed. That's the trick. We can't we can't slot him in in a segment for an interview. I know. He's got to be on the show. That's what it's got to be. We're gonna work on it, Andrew. We're gonna find a way. We're gonna find a day, and we're gonna find a time, buddy. You got to keep putting pressure on this kid on Twitter. Yep, pressure him on Twitter. Pressure on Twitter is good. Pressure Sam on Twitter relentlessly. Erin has a stomach bug. She is not here. She has the stomach bug. Yeah, that's what she told me. Thank God she's not coming. I'd be mad as hell if I got the stomach bug. I know. So instead, we got uh, Justin Lamestream Parkinson to fill in. Let's take a break, and we'll be back with the rest of the show.
crack the beers at the end of the segment. But since Mr. Maiden Utica himself, Justin Parkinson, is here, and he's celebrating from last night. That's true. Uh, we might as well crack. Now, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Salud. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night, for you non-wrestling fans of the show, was one of the greatest events of all of wrestling, the Royal Rumble, which takes place every January. It's a large battle royal, and we had money on the winner. And it came down to the gentleman who Mr. Parkinson drew yes. and the gentleman that I myself drew, and somehow you were the victor. Yeah. You want to talk about your victory? You feel good? <laughs> yeah. There was some confusion about the tabs. I think everything was done fairly. Because you're a cheater. Yes, no, I know. No, no, no. All I want to say is I think the person who wrote up the numbers, so we drew numbers. There's 30 people. Everybody draws numbers. Whatever numbers you draw, you have that guy. If your guy wins, you win the pot. The person who drew up all the numbers somehow came up like six numbers short. No, when they three did numbers short. They were in six the bucket, so we had to rewrite the numbers, redraw, and somehow you ended up with the most coveted spot that ended up Number winning. 38. You were also the person that held the bucket while people were picking yeah, Mr. No one Deep Pockets yeah, under no one, protest. Bull. You did make a point to say no one can look in the bucket, and you were very serious about it. No. The whole time. And I was willing to take the consequences of whatever piece was left in there. It happened to be number 30. Because you knew what it, it was happened to be. It happened to be Triple H. It was a double you, thing. Like, if it was you know, Dallas, you wouldn't be talking about it. I do think, I, think that, I think that we learned an important lesson yesterday because sometimes cheaters win. Yeah. And you won. You cheated and you won the Royal Rumble pool. But sometimes yeah. cheaters do not win. And with that being said, I'm noticing the New England Patriots pin oh. on your sweatshirt. Oh, no. Oh. Notorious oh, no. famed cheater Tom Brady. Oh, legendary cheater. Lost yesterday to the oh. Broncos. Any thoughts? I'm going to use the $100 I won yesterday. To <laughs> <laughs> yourself my, my misery. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's move on to some some local stories. Post Royal Rumble was pretty good. We can say mm. we had a good time. I had a better time actually hanging out with you guys than I did watching the yeah, actual Royal Rumble. I think people who don't particularly follow wrestling, because not everybody does, but they still come over for it. It's a monthly thing where you can get together with your friends. But drawing numbers, I think, was a good way to... Uh, invest keep, people who don't normally care exactly, about anything. Exactly. You know, just, nice I noticed myself people, paying a lot more attention when I had a dog in the race. Yeah, so it's it's yeah. nice to see people here who you don't normally see, like your mm-hmm. upstairs roommate Clifford, who yeah, yeah. showed up out of nowhere considering he never comes to hang out with us, and yet somehow he's in the studio <laughs> 30 faces from outside the studio. I can see you, Cliff. Sorry. Uh, let's move Speak on. Speak of the devil let's, and he shall appear. There he is. Look at that yeah, face. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, so um, we've talked a lot over the last maybe 10, 12 weeks about the theoretical downtown Utica Hospital. Um, There were two stories I heard about it this week, and I'm going to go back to this one. This is January 19th. There were questions surrounding the new proposed hospital for downtown Utica. Now, every story I've heard is very vague, but the general idea I'm getting is that after Governor Cuomo uh, announced his his budget, um, presented last week, there were changes in the $30 million in state funding that were allotted to build a new hospital in Oneida County. So the next day, on the 20th, there was an article after uh, after State Senator Joe Griffo and Anthony Brindisi and uh, Anthony Pacenti and Robert Palmieri all went to Albany to talk about this, where the governor has now pledged his commitment to the funding. So one day we thought we lost it, and the next day we found out they're committed to funding it. So we backtracked around this story. We talked circles around it. Uh, it's been a while since we brought it up. Where do you guys stand today? I'm just really happy that something like a hospital is coming without any of these backdoor politic deals going on, apparently. <laughs> it seems like this is a very straightforward process. I don't think there's uh, anything fishy or there's no negotiating. It seems like it's pretty clear cut. I don't know what all the confusion is here. I don't understand you know why what? this and, is being and, drawn out. This is an honest process, correct? And to your point, I do expect probably i mean for as much as you know a lot of things are changing in the city things are going well do i expect maybe certain companies who are friends with certain people to get certain contracts yeah that'll probably happen do i think a couple people will probably make a couple bucks off this hospital yeah they will (laughs) but like it would just get it's it's gotta it's gotta get done like the more and more i think about it the more i talk about it now and every time i drive down that block like it would be a lot of wind let out of the sails if it didn't get done, and it would be one more thing that people could point at and be like, "Oh yeah, look, see, everybody talks about it, but nothing happens." You know, so I'm glad I'm, I am glad that we have people, you know, politically who who are working hard to yeah. get this done and who do care quite a bit about this area. And I I hope that they stick with it. You know what I mean? I hope the governor means what he says, and I hope that we stick with the hospital and get it down here. To be fair, I don't have enough 
information about the issues that they're facing, but I'm sure it's all just budgetary. I watch enough House of Cards to know what goes on. How about <laughs> they uh, get rid of Hotel Utica to somebody that can start paying taxes on it first, too? We'll That's probably they did. skate around law. We'll That's see, a hot yeah. take. Yeah, well... It always seems like that's another topic that keeps coming up. I think we got a few things. The hospital is an, is an important thing. Hotel Utica is another one. I just well, think we have so much stuff out there that just needs issues, to be taken care of. Those two issues kind of lie hand in hand, though. Right? Just, you're still talking about the same general area of downtown Utica that's looking for revitalization, mm-hmm. right? Um, I've said it before. I think that the hospital should go downtown because I really do think Columbia and Lafayette is one of the worst sections mm-hmm. of the entire like city that needs revitalization. Right. That being said, if they built another hospital somewhere in Oneida County or in this region that wasn't in exactly downtown, I'd be glad we're getting another hospital still. Not true, as because, happy as true, I because be. you do always hear the joke where people are like, oh, if you're really sick, you better go to Syracuse. Yeah. And to be fair, they're not wrong. I mean, St. Elizabeth's, you got a 50-50 if you live walking in the door to visit the cafeteria and then St. Luke's I haven't really you know I've had more experience than I'd like to with St. Luke's in the last year year and a half and I'm not really very impressed with what they do generally there there's a lot of great people on staff tons of great nurses and techs and things like that but like overall from a top-down standpoint I would be happy for another option in this city you know what not for nothing a lot of the knocks I hear about the downtown hospital is like well what else could go in that region right what could you put in that area I've yet to hear another good idea for what else you could put in that region instead of a hospital to fix up that entire area. I mean, right? that's, like, I've heard that argument, too. And so, okay, so if that's your argument, you mean to tell me that's the only stretch in downtown Utica with dilapidated buildings that could be filled in? Because you're lying. There's right. plenty of other places you can put stuff. You know, the only people who seem to be very, very upset about that there, you know, is, of course, people who own businesses or buildings or stuff like that down there that are going to have some inconvenience. But, you know, at the end of the day, you can't hold off on a a project that's this big that would do this much good just because one guy doesn't want to sell his empty building. Well, the big, the main thing is that you have to put things on the tax base, like whatever we need to do to get things on the tax base, i.e. getting the hotel going Putting a hospital down there, anything that just gets the well, empty think, buildings not paying money or things that aren't contributing back to the city, that, that just has to change. So whatever. Well, I think that, great, that's the argument that the, that the people make is that if you take down those buildings to put up a hospital, they come off the tax base. Mm-hmm. You know, that's literally what you just said is the argument they use against the hospital. You know, but I'm just something that that's the easiest block to sell me. on. You can sell me. I'm putting almost anything down there. That's mm-hmm. the easiest block to get me sold on for sure. But, you know, I hope it comes. But, again, like most of these things, I'm sure it'll be such a long process that by the time it gets here, we'll have forgotten that it was even a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think we're a victim of that in Utica, too, is that you don't realize, even with the nano stuff, this stuff takes years yeah. and years, years and years. And, and then you kind of get your hopes up. There's and not going to be debate. But then we're like three years. There's away, not going to you know, be so. one big, huge lifeboat that comes in. Yeah. That's not that's not a thing that doesn't exist for anybody anyway. There's not going to be just one huge saving grace where it's like, okay, we're done. It's going to be hard work, and it's going to be a long fight, and it's going to take very many years. And I think people need to be prepared for that because Nano's not going to do it by itself. A hospital won't do it by itself. None of these things will be overnight. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're all just more and more steps in our direction. This is a theoretical question. I was just thinking about it as we were talking about it. We always talk about uh, how things have been moving really well in Utica. Things have been better than they were 10 years ago, 5 years ago, whatever, all the revitalization. What do you think the end game is, right? Like, where's the end game for what Utica could be? Like Syracuse? Or I'm, like not that big, well, right? No, because I mean there's what what does end game even mean? Like there's no end game for any city. I know, I know so that. Just continue I, to build. I understand that, but like we've gone through cycles of up and down, you know, through you know, there was a point in time we had 100,000 people in this city, you know, like 60 years ago, 70 years ago, but still like, what's the, I just wonder, like, what the, I guess not the end game, but what the larger direction is. Like, is Utica going to have, like, 20,000 more people in 10 years? Is that what they want? You hope so. You want city, that, right? City That's, and citizens yeah. prospering. You need yeah. money. So like you said, you got to add to the tax base. If there were 20,000 new people to move to the city of Utica that were paying Utica taxes, you see that everywhere. You see that in roads getting paved. You see that going to our schools. You see that, you know what I mean? That's. That's the goal. The more money we can have as a city, the more we can do to make the city a better place from, you know, a government standpoint. There was just an article, too, it's funny you say that, that, like, defunct roads are costing New Yorkers, like, $24, billion annually, like, for the entire state. I believe it. Brutal. Brutal, brutal. 
Um, well, let's dig downtown for a second. I saw, uh, as I was driving home today, I saw some work being done at Bank of Utica in downtown. It looks like they are building a new clock tower. Is that what that is? Yeah, they're building a clock tower. In between, so in between the Bank of Utica building and, like, uh, Griffin's Pub? Yeah. I've been wondering. It's a yeah, clock it's tower? it's a clock tower. Yeah. Hmm. That's awesome. Clock tower. Love um, it. All about it. Don't even ask. No, I'm into it. I'm into it. <laughs> got me thinking about the Utica skyline, though. Um, <laughs> over the, no, it's true. <laughs> I got me thinking about it. Because when I... A lot of times, like, there are certain things of the Utica skyline. If you look back at, like, old pictures of Utica from back yeah. in the day, it's really cool looking and, like, that whole area. A lot of times, for me, the only, like... Building, I think of in terms of the skyline is the Gold Dome Bank, right? That's of course, the one I yeah, always end that's up the mark. It's literally made of gold. Um, <laughs> but like, this is a good idea. Like, we don't like even when you drive in through North Utica through Bag Square, where they painted the Bag Square mural again. It looks great, right? Yeah, Just the right. fact that they uh, like touched up that. I'm surprised we don't do more with like fixing up our skyline. Our skyline could use some work, right? Yeah. Well, because I mean, because what it comes down to, you can say fix up the skyline, but what you're talking about is build colossal building. <laughs> That's expensive and there needs to be a reason. You can't just like <coughs> pop up like some arch frame skyscraper tops just to be like, ha-ha, we skyline, pop, baby. We pretty much popped up that Utica sign, that red and green Utica sign when you drive yeah. in the city yeah, overnight. Holes in a swamp <laughs> are way different than like brick-and-mortar seven-story uh, buildings. Well, what they uh, essentially have been saying about Utica, too, is that when we're talking about 20,000 people possible, you know, if, if we get, like, that type of influx, what, what Utica's going to do is not build out, but build up. It's because we just aren't going to be able to spread much more than sure. in terms of, so your downtown's probably, if everything goes according to plan, going to have a natural progression of just change over years because the only place we can go is up on a lot of these a lot of these buildings and a lot of I these feel like spots. there's, well, there's really you know, the city out wider, in, you know? in the future, you know, if we're all sitting here as old men looking back on hopefully all the success we've seen here in our lifetimes... Um, I think you'll see a lot of buildings get replaced, too, mm-hmm. because where they're building that clock tower, there was a building there, mm-hmm. and they took it out, and they're putting that in now. And I think you'll see some of that because for as many great empty buildings as we have that are easy and ready for people to move into with a little bit of work, there's, you know, buildings are a finite thing. They don't last forever, so there's mm-hmm. plenty of buildings where it's too late and there's nothing that can really be done to, like, save the building and be more expensive to just knock it down and start over. So I think you'll see a fair amount of that as well. And then, you know, if things are going well, people will probably build taller. Yeah. Well, also, too, it's it's um, per, your percent of population, like your density, is kind of like the thing that attributes to your roads and where you get your money and stuff sure. like that. Mm-hmm. So it is beneficial almost for downtown to go lots of people and up. Yeah. Versus spreading it out because then you congest all that area. We're more likely to get money for well, roads well, and mean, maintenance and all that and, type of stuff. We have more people being served. So, in order for downtown to really flourish the way that people would like to see it, and the way that you know you can see little signs of life of, but the way that you know to really be booming, people have to live there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people have to live downtown. There have to be more viable, affordable options for people to live downtown. You know what I mean? Like, for as much as I'd love to live in a twelve hundred dollar a month loft. I don't make that kind of money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And a lot of people I know who would love to live downtown, who would walk to all the businesses, who would, you know, support downtown, who would make it what they want it to be. Those people can't afford 1200 a month before utilities yep. or any other bills either. Yep. I think if you see somebody down there start building and start putting apartments in more realistic numbers for the young people they're trying to attract, you know what I mean? Like everybody, there's a lot of young professionals, but not everybody is young and in a profession where, it, you know, you can just reserve $1,200 a month for rent. If you put something down there, if I could find an apartment down there, it doesn't have to be, you know, 24-foot ceilings, exposed brick wall, new countertops, new appliances. I don't need all that stuff. Yeah. But if you gave me a viable option to live downtown on, like, a fifth floor somewhere for, like, seven fifty a month, oh, we're talking. Yeah. You know what I mean? See, maybe I'm jaded from spending as much time as I did living in, like, apartment buildings. Right. If there was a viable apartment in downtown Utica that cost me about the same what I was paying here, no chance I'd take it. Same. No chance. Like, I would not want to deal with living in an apartment building, like, having having an apartment. Like, this is an apartment, technically, but we have it's a house. room. It's a house <laughs> we're living in, yeah. right? Like, yeah. right. it's just the fact that we're guys who live in a house. It's not like this is set up for apartments. Yeah. There's a certain amount of, like, you have to want to live in that kind of life. Like, you're not going to get families who are moving in with their kids. I think, there's, I think there's enough people that do want to live there. I think we all do have to give a little bit of credence to the fact that, like, everybody at the table right now, being a 30-year-old, yeah. ask 23-year-old you that question. Ask that kid who just graduated Utica College that they're trying to keep here if he's interested in living downtown in the city environment. I'm sure his answer will be very different than our shriveled up old man ideas. 
Is that all it takes to be old men now? We're 30? We're just yeah, man. It's <laughs> done. It's <laughs> done. God. It's done. Oh, man. Well, if that's the case, we have a wonderful shriveled up old man joining us this week for our interview. Uh, like I said, not just a good friend of the pod, good friend of us personally. The man, the myth, the legend, Mark Simon, is here to come talk about Dirty Jer's images and his brand new photography project, Mark Simon Photo. Are we just shortening it and calling it a pod now? You said friend of the pod. <laughs> The cast. The I can't. Well, because if that's so, I cue the pod. I'm cueing the pod. You're cueing the pod. Cue means quit. Good. I, I get it. I quit the pod. I, 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 I cue the pod. Uh, Save me, Mark Simon. You're our only hope. <laughs> I've got I've got some great lime seltzer here that I'm actually thoroughly enjoying, <laughs> and uh, it it is a school night for me, so I have, to, I have to I know I have to keep I, it uh, I keep it clean tonight. Well, you know I appreciate you coming back two nights in a row. Absolutely. I know Absolutely. I could have just done this last night, I guess. Yeah, it's all right though. We were Sorry. caught up in wrestling. There the the, the rumble was way too royal. And, I uh, I got I got we got sidetracked. I like that you wore your wrestling gear here to the show tonight. You yeah, had, like this lumberjack style gear. Well, with your beard, basically, like my my attire is there, there's three different pieces of attire that I generally own. I have my coffee stuff, which yeah. smells like coffee all the time. Mm. I have my lava attire, which is basically just black on black on black on black. Of course, and then I just have my okay. I'm not going anywhere else except for my house or over here mm. to hang out with you clowns. That's and true. I just throw on my flannel and uh, my trap DJ pants. <laughs> the, the trap DJ pants are very tight. Yeah, um, very comfortable. So I was thinking about this. Uh, I was kind of talking about this with Kevin earlier today. You know, we see a lot of you around the house. Maybe it's because yeah. we're down here. Maybe it's because Justin's upstairs. And it's because, you know, it's good to have your boys around. It's, it's a good gathering spot. But I was thinking about it. And I don't really know all that much about you. In terms of actually, in terms of people I know yeah. pretty close to the vest. You know, I know I know Kevin pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Justin, I I choose to know very little about. <laughs> I feel like it's important to know. There's not much there to know. Anyway. <laughs> At least about about him as possible. Um, but I I know you so well now that it seems odd that we uh, I don't know more about you. So I guess uh, I guess let's start with like you. Where are you originally from, Jersey? I uh, grew up in New Jersey. I was born in Rockland County. So Rockland County. I, I guess in theory I'm. Uh, at, from from birth, I'm a New Yorker. Um, mm. However, I almost immediately moved to New Jersey, and I spent, jeez, uh, until I was about 24 or so in New Jersey. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I lived almost my entire oh, life man. in New Jersey up until about uh, six or seven years ago when I moved here. You got, like, whole fam? You got mom, dad? Yeah, my mom and my dad still live in New Jersey. My sister lives in New Jersey. Um, and for my immediate family, that's pretty much it. Yeah, but they all still live in New Jersey. All, all three in different parts, but... Mm. Uh, you know, they all still live in New Jersey, but not, but not where I grew up. Ironically enough, where? Right. Yeah. See, Jersey's man. Jersey's so. I, oh, my only experience as a Jersey as a kid, and it's, I'm not a uh, Great Escape, mm-hmm. uh, or sorry, Six Flags Great Adventure. Yep. With the with the safari, which yep. I just thought was cool, where you drive the safari through a part of New Jersey mm-hmm. and lions attack your car and monkeys, and it's very yeah. Crazy. No, it's it's, it's, it's something. It's something that you that you don't really think of. <laughs> When you think of New Jersey, because most people, when they think of New Jersey, they think it's just basically one gigantic highway, like yeah. a, like a like just a eight hundred lane highway all the way across the state. And believe it or not, where I'm from is if you were to take New Hartford and drop it in the center of Old Forge, that's really? what, that's what my hometown's like. Huh? Um, and the M M&M and M factory is there also. So I assume you mean the candy, not the wrapper. That would be very strange. Right, right. It was yeah, no, uh, like the like the Mars like foods incorporated, but they're the, that's where they make M and M's and Snickers and Milky Ways and all that fun stuff. So you're in New Jersey mm-hmm. until 24. What town yeah. was that you said? Hackettstown. Hackettstown. Hackettstown, not Hackensack. Uh, hack. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, number one, the number one question I get. So high school there, college there. Did you go to college there, or did you? No, actually, yeah. My first two years of school, I went to SUNY Rockland. 
Um, oh, word. Okay. It, it's something that through through family, it kind of it worked out in my favor, so I went with that. Mm-hmm. And due to the fact I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, I decided, <laughs> okay, let me let me explore the world and see what happens. And that's what brought me here for the most part. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Now, I got to ask you, so zero, so zero through 24, you're in Jersey. You probably mm-hmm. cultivated a lot of friendships down there in 24 years, right? Oh, yeah. Friend? yeah. You still tight with anybody down there or yeah. besides fam? Yeah. Um, my two, well, two of my best friends, well, my best friend since I was five, so going on 26 yeah. years now, he lives in D.C., and him and I are still, are still close. And uh, my other very, very good friend, Shane, he is uh, – Part of the part of the time, he is a tugboat captain. Smart. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like he, he sent me a picture the other day from from, from his boat, oh, and uh, he was docked in the middle uh, of the Mississippi River, uh, pushing some sort of crazy <laughs> ship up the river. Yeah. But he's in New Jersey still too. So um, that's. <laughs> And when I say he's a tugboat captain, he's legitimately a tugboat captain. Like um, he drives a tugboat. <laughs> when I was in, I went to Maine with my uh, family for a week over the summertime, and we took a lobster boat mm-hmm. uh, trip out. They took us on a lobster boat, and they take you out to all the lobster traps. And there's something about being on, like a boat like that. You're like, you know what? I could do this for like a life. Like it's not true. It's probably a really like intense lifestyle. He seems to love it. Like he's out there for like three weeks at a time, then he's off for three weeks. That's pretty good. So, like, I think he they basically go up the Mississippi and then back down, like, to Texas, and then he flies back to New Jersey. That's the kind of job I need. Like, insane weird hours. On for four yeah. months, off for two months. Yeah, like, I've always said I wanted to be, like, one of those Alaskan crab fishermen because they go out for, like, four Like, what is it? Like, like two months, and then they, they make a full year's salary in, like, two months or something. That's what that, that should be your MO for your next photo project. Go off for like <laughs> go off for like six months and just shoot everything you yeah. see for six months and just don't shoot anything for like three months after that. It's not that far off. That's, I'm, that's, a, that's a great that's a great sound to do. Uh, just shoot a bunch of stuff so I don't have to the rest of the year. So let me uh, let me picture this transition. So you leave from New Jersey, you come up here, uh-huh. why? What brought you up here specifically? I went to SUNY IT. SUNY IT. Um, because of my just dropping out of college like mm. the first time around, it yeah. was hard to kind of, you know, get into a better school. Mm. But luckily, because yeah. the SUNY system is, most people probably disagree, but the SUNY system is actually pretty mm. solid. I have no complaints. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it made it real easy to go from one SUNY school to another. Yeah. And I was just kind of looking yeah. for something different. And the, the Institute of Technology was something different. The CUNY schools are similarly along that way. Like, if you went to one, you could like, yeah. access yeah. information at the others. But you, were you doing photography at that time? No, actually. I um, I mean, I've always had, a, I guess, a little bit of interest in photography because, like, my – I remember having a camera, like, one of those little, like, rectangular plastic boxes <laughs> with, yeah. like, with, the, with the weird film. Uh, I, I remember having one of those as a little kid. It was a Ninja Turtles one, actually. I had that one, too, actually. Really? I, was, I was literally just going to tell you I had the one that puts the little picture of Michelangelo yeah, at the bottom yeah, of the yeah, <laughs> Yeah, those are great. <laughs> and um, my uh, uh, my mom's uh, second husband uh, had a camera, and he was always the guy behind the scenes taking the family yeah. photos. And I would always want to take you know take the picture, but I never really had like an interest in it other other than just wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I've always had a little bit of an interest, and I just kind of well, actually, my mom bought me a my first DSLR camera for Christmas, mm-hmm. and. I had no real use for it at the time, and I actually remember I didn't really use it all that much at yeah. first. And then um, one when I kind of fell into photography, it was very unplanned because mm-hmm. I, I when I started to get really into it and start to make it a thing, I was just looking for a hobby and something to do. Yeah, because yeah. the girl I was dating for a long time had just left me in a pretty horrible way. And the last thing she ever said to me was, you're super boring and you don't have any hobbies. So I was looking for a hobby to try to get her back. It's, if, we, if we want to get down to the real room of how I became a photographer, it was to try to get some girl. It's the greatest creative inspiration yeah. you could ever possibly have is to get told your garbage and left by a woman you love. Oh, yeah. No, it was, it was like, brutal. It was nothing, brutal. Nothing ever. I mean, I'm, 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 in, I'm happily engaged now to somebody oh, different, man. like almost – you know, five and a half years later, but and like, she's a wonderful human being. Yes, she is. She's phenomenal. <laughs> yes, little Julie Dukes is a phenomenal human being. Um, she sat through the whole Royal Rumble with us last night. That's love, man. Until she, the end, when she fell asleep. That's well, like, it got boring. A little yeah, bit, it, it got a little. Yeah. Rough. But uh, but no, like, but still, five and a half years later, like, I still remember that, and I'll, I always, mm. you know how like you you, you want to dislike someone, but you 
can't fully dislike them because there's that one thing. That's yes. the one thing. Foosball table used to be the thing that would stop me a lot of times from totally disliking somebody. Well, I guess my question is, so you, you had this enjoy you liked photography. Yeah. Had a, yeah. Interest in a hobby in it, but was this, is this where Dirty Jurors came from? Like the, the Dirty Jurors project, or did you? Um, It, it kind of, it, it, like I said, when I, when I said before I fell into it, it was yeah. never something that kind of planned. But, like, I started just by walking around Utica taking pictures. Yeah. And then, like, I, at the time, I was working at Zoomies. So I knew all the skaters <clears throat> that were in and around Utica. So, like, oh, yeah. I would just went to Utica Skate Park one day. Mm. And, ironically enough, like, Sam Aversa was there, who was also, like, a monster in the photography world. Like, yep. if you, like, she's she's awesome. I'm not going to get in, in, into everything I'm, that she's done because it's just way too much of it. I've known um, her for a very long time. Yes. Good people. Um, and also Eric Flores was there as well, yep. who Eric, you know, at the, when I first got into it, like, he was really going hard with his Crooked Nine stuff. And, like, he was basically the skate guy around here. So I just kind of learned from him. Mm. That's interesting, too. Now, I, I'm curious because, like, um, there's always two ways to think about, like, learning uh, something. Like, I don't. I don't want to call it a craft or like a, I guess it's a craft photography. It's a yeah, craft. Yeah. I mean, it, it all depends on like how your personal opinion of the work is. It's, it, it could be work. It could be a craft. Yeah. It could be art. I mean, it's really how you look uh, at it yourself. But you know, craft works. At the end of the day, I always think about, uh, I was a musician at heart, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because I spent so much time doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. You spend all these hours and after a while, you don't really get trained necessarily. You've right. just done it so much. You just figure it out. Second nature. Yeah. And I wonder, I'm always intrigued about whether people found out how to do something one way or the other. And I wonder where, where in the spectrum you fell along. So was it just experience? I, I, everything that I know about photography was either just like tips and tricks that friends mm-hmm. have given me, things I've learned on YouTube or just a lot, a lot of it is definitely just experience and learning how to do yeah. it. Um, like I said, like Eric Flores was a, was like yeah. probably the first big influence and, um, Ryan McCammon, who mm-hmm. is, you know, from Utica lives in Syracuse now doing some awesome photo stuff. Like he really kind of pushed me to push my boundaries and taught me things that to this day I still use and I haven't changed because I haven't found a better way to do it. So people, things like that, but experience is absolutely the number one way that I learned anything and it's a lot of trying something and failing a hundred times before you get one good one. Uh, when did you, do you remember when you started, I don't know if there was like an LLC moment or like a moment when you began, but when did you start really pushing the Dirty Jersey stuff? I'm trying to think of how long um, I started hearing about Dirty Jersey. I, I officially like launched like a Facebook page and started like using that yeah. name in the middle of September 2010, September 19th. Oh, wow. Yeah, September 19, 2010, and um, there's a there's yeah. significance yeah. behind that date. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yes, uh, that date um, in 2010 was when I, like, officially, I guess, started it, but yeah, it wasn't yeah. until probably about two and a half, or no, about three years ago that yeah, I actually yeah. went and got my DBA and started making it, like, a full-on business right. business, but at the same time, I've been working for the casino for going yeah. on four years. So. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, because I was going to say, I feel like most people... The most people who probably see exposure to your work or are exposed to it are through the lava stuff. Absolutely. Through there. Yeah. Uh, how's that been for you? Like, It's been a wild, wild, wild ride. <laughs> I've gotten to meet some really, really cool and interesting people. Oh, yeah. I've gotten to like, shoot some like world-class entertainers, and like my work has been put in front of millions of people because of that. Mm. Um, like Paul E.D., like from Jersey Shore. Like When you yeah. came to DJ, yeah, you know, you think about it, all right, it's Paul, it's Paul E.D. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I thought... <laughs> I thought you were talking about our good friend from the Gentleman's Corner Barbershop, Paul Diamond. I was like, Oh no, no, I, I, Paul I, I, I would never, I would never disrespect Paulie by calling him Paulie D. But maybe I might, I might start calling him that just, the, just because, he, just because he thinks I'm sassy as it is. I think I'm just going to start calling him Paulie D. Once we did that on the episode where he was one of the guests and he had to correct me on the air about it, but uh, I, I feel like that—that's one of the first places I saw your work in a large scale, and mm-hmm. I feel like uh, you know, and I don't know, I'm very, you know. If you weren't my buddy, I probably would know. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, like, I would just be some guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, but do you, I feel like there's a certain, do you feel like there's a lack of, uh, I don't want to say art to that. Like, I feel like you're doing work for a company. They're right. hiring you to do work for it. Do you have an artistic side that you would like to, to I don't know if that allows you well, to. With, with, with working at the casino, yes, there are. I don't want to say guidelines, but there is direction sure, and direction yeah, they yeah. want to go. And, and luckily, yeah. they do give me the freedom to kind of take their direction and make it fit my mm-hmm. goal. So there is a big side of artist, artistic 
creation that goes into it. It's not all, it's not just like running and gunning and taking pictures of, of people. It's a lot of cr- trying to create things. And that's what I try to mm-hmm. do to kind of set myself apart from mm-hmm. anyone else in the area yeah. doing anything like this is that I try to do things that you don't usually think about or mm-hmm. see in a nightclub. So, and I'm very lucky to be given the, yeah. you know, freedom to do that. But I will also say that um, sometimes having the name Dirty Jersey makes it very difficult to yeah. do certain types of work. That's fair. And actually, I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you brought that up as well, too, because we do want to talk about your new project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Mark Simon Photography, it's just very simple. Um, Nancy Ford, who has been... She's awesome. Yeah, Nancy Ford yeah, has been great. a local photography legend for, like, I, I don't even know how long. I mean, if, if you know anything about photography or Utica mm-hmm. in general, Nancy Ford's a name that you should know. If you don't, you got to look it up. I've seen her um, her studio she has. Down yeah, her new studio in Franklin yeah, Square. She's awesome. got two studios. It's an awesome spot. Like, if you need studio space, like, mm-hmm. go talk to Nancy. She can yeah. ma- she can help you out. Yeah. So, um, so Nancy and I were talking, and she said, you know, the best thing for you to do, just have a straight photography name that is no, you know, nickname, no, you know, pseudonym, nothing like that, just your name. Mm. Because I've been fortunate enough with everything we have going with me in Utica yeah. that my personal, my name name has been attributed to all the good that that's coming from. So more people know me from that than they know me as Dirty Dirt because, you yeah. know, my, my, I guess, persona, because if you know me as, know me as Mark, yeah. I'm nothing like my Dirty Dirt persona. And that's something mm. that I try to make very clear is that, you know, I may act like some callous, you know, Jerk, party boy jerk, but yes. you know I'm not like that. <laughs> hey, your mouth is closed a lot more in real life. When I see yes, it. yes, I, I I don't have I don't have a condition that causes my mouth um, to you know open and, and and be all crazy like that. But um, but no, Mark's time photography is basically my soiree into um you know trying new things, going kind of and not really letting trends or other people's work influence how I work. I'm just gonna kind of do it for me. Mm-hmm. And I recently discovered that. Being a photographer is what I should be when I grow up. Yeah. Because I've been given, Wait, I've, I've been I've been blessed with a gift that not everyone yeah. gets, and I think it would be, it wouldn't be smart to just kind of turn my back at it. And, and it's been very, it's been very good to me thus far, and uh, it's been an awesome, awesome ride. So I'm looking forward to this new look and adventure down the down the road. Mark, I want to thank you for giving us uh, well, thank so much you. time tonight. Uh, I do want—I got a question for you. I was thinking sure. about this uh, earlier, and I think this is a good question. I'm going to throw it in the spot for people out there. I was thinking about this because I, I find photography fascinating, but I have never taken photography class. I don't really own a camera. Mm-hmm. What's a good way for somebody to start getting into photography if they were looking to buy a camera or to to get just to start off like a base package? What would you What would you recommend? I get I get asked this question all the time. Yeah, and I always give pretty much the same answer. Mm. I always tell people don't buy anything. Don't Learn, buy anything. learn because photography, yes, it's an art, but there's also a lot of science to photography. Sure. And the way a camera works is if you don't understand it, it's going to make your job incredibly difficult and incredibly complicated. Mm-hmm. But once you learn the basics of how a camera works and how the different types of settings work with one another to yeah. create a certain image, because you can create an image and you can take an image. Mm-hmm. An image taking an image is just what's there. Creating an image is what you do when you have a message you're trying to get across, but you can't use words. Mm. And that's what I always try to do. And I think it's because because I am self-taught, I had to learn yeah. and I had to figure it out. And that's something that I still do to this day. Like I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you. Like I, If you start talking about technical stuff with photography, I don't care. I mean, I've been a professional photographer for years. But it doesn't mean anything to me because I'm just not classically trained. But if you want to be somebody who's going to really do great things, learn the, learn the science, learn the art, and learn, 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 learn. Because, I mean, when people tell, say to me, oh, wow, you have a great camera. That's a great picture. Yeah. The, the camera's a tool. Like, it's the knowledge that's, that's the important part. So I tell people don't buy anything. And if you want to get into photography, just pick up your phone. Like, yeah. the your phone is one of the most powerful possible <laughs> cameras you could have. Like, I love it. You know, I, 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 I hate saying this because it sounds super, super cocky, but I could give you my camera and I could take your phone oh, yeah. and probably produce something that is of higher quality just because I know how to use the equipment properly. I hate saying that because it does sound super cocky, but it's probably If true. you look through all the poorly framed, poorly lit <laughs> photos in my camera, you would have to convince me about it. Um, it does happen. 
So where can people get a hold of you for uh, for your projects, man? Um, for if, for my new projects, it's just Mark Simon Photography on Instagram. Uh, I have a Facebook page also, or you can just hit me up on my regular Facebook. It's just Mark Simon. Um, if you want to check out my you know more music and nightclubs and kind of mm-hmm. outside their normal realm stuff at Dirty Jers Images, it's spelled dirty. And J E R Z followed by images. Oh, <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put the correct spelling. Yes, on that, yes. Right? It's uh, <laughs> some people seem to have issues with the, with the spelling, but I'm on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter all under the same name. And I uh, I welcome all of you to follow me because my uh, my Instagram is a really good way to see that I'm oh, yeah. uh, I'm a real person in real life. <laughs> Not a real mind. Uh, Dirty Jersey images uh, made in Utica. Uh, Mark Simon photography. You're a Renaissance fan. Thanks I for try, I try to stay busy. I appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks We'll be back in just a moment. taking some time out of his busy day. I hope you're prepared for next time you see my brother. He's probably going to try to fight you because you put Mark Simon on twice before you got my brother on. Well, I was hoping no one was going to mention that. Oh, no. Uh, but somehow you did. Let him know. Somehow, right off the bat. Well, look, I'll tell you brother straight <laughs> up. Mark's easier to get a hold of than you are. You got a wife and a house now, and things Ooh. are very intense. Well. Just saying. Cop out. Congratulations. <laughs> Cop out. Congratulations to you and Coach Pete. Oh, um, all right, uh, so we did get one mailbag question this week. One mailbag question, and it was from good friend of the pod, Kate Riley. Uh, and this question was very simply, it was based on something that happened today. Rapper B.O.B., are you familiar with rapper B.O.B.? I am not. Well, he's a rapper. Apparently, he went on some tirade today about in support of the flat earth theory. Oh, God. Yeah, the world's flat, guys. I don't know if you knew that. If you uh, go off the end, you just fall into space. So, I don't know if you knew that. That's what he was saying. Makes sense. Uh, so, Kate's question for us is, what is our favorite conspiracy theory? Kevin, this seems like something you'd want to start off with, but... Does it? it seems like it. What if I have no opinion? That's uh, the conspiracy I'll tell right you there. Right. That is a conspiracy. I love conspiracies. I love the theories. I do have an opinion. It's here, Justin's. That uh, Hitler was still alive. That's a pretty interesting theory to me. Um, that... Uh, a lot of people, our Germans went to South America. Like and boys from Brazil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so avoid the war crimes. Right, and there, there just seems um, possible and, and just interesting at times is that a guy of his stature to either just commit suicide or to stage it or whatever. Like, there, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in war, and I would not be surprised in the least if just for some reason he lived out another 20 years in Colombia somewhere, you know what I mean? See, I think a more interesting theory is that he had people clone him, right? <laughs> Clones of Hitler, right? Yeah. That, that's what Boys of Brazil is about, right? Yep. They cloned Hitler, is that what it is? I have no idea what anybody's talking but there, about. Yeah, there's, no. well, there's some interesting things, too. Is, is with that network over there, too, that even if he was sent, you know, and, and it's such a close group of bunch of war criminals that no one would say boo about it either so it almost you would think it'd be a very safe place to run away to with a group of other people who would never turn you in you know what i mean so it just makes you wonder um they burned bodies and did all that type of stuff it's just kind of weird how they went about disposing his body okay um, it's very intense this whole thing yeah so that's that's my my most interesting one but my favorite one's the moon landing it just seems like the most ridiculous thing so <laughs> oh the fake moon landing yeah you know, that's the one... That's that, irrational. Hitler being alive, living out 20 years, just under the radar, that seems... That could maybe have happened. I wouldn't have been so surprised. Wait, 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 wait. Landing on the, uh, the... Not landing on the moon as a, as a thing is just hey, totally irrational. Wait, wait, wait. So you're going to tell me yeah. you think it's more rational that Hitler was alive for another 30 years yes. than America filmed that in a TV studio to scare the Russians? A hundred percent. Yes. I hate to agree with Parkinson. Oh, no. I hate, think about it. Think about it for you a second. You think it's that simple you, you, to make a movie you think it's, you think it's more In that era, you could get away with it better. <laughs> in the 40s, you could get away with it. I need somebody in South America. <laughs> you just throw somebody on a boat or a plane, you're yeah. like, oh, he committed suicide, lost the body. It was in no, a bunker. Perfect. War is crazy. See, I like that's way more feasible yeah. than they staged the whole moon landing and filmed the thing to put one over on everybody. 
Yeah. Now, see, I think the idea was they knew they weren't going to get to the moon before the Russians, so they filmed the moon landing to make it seem as though we beat the Russians to the moon. I'm not saying we never went to the moon. We certainly have. But I think that there is an interesting, uh, fascinating Oh, yeah, scenario. Buzz Aldrin, then when did we make it to the moon? <laughs> First off, it was Buzz Lightyear. Second of all, <laughs> we made it to the moon. I'm... I'm Fly me to the moon right now. So not just saying sorry about it. I'm, I'm moonstruck just looking at you. Um, <laughs> Push this pen in the mirror and I can't hear you anymore. Um, uh, I had a teacher in high school, Mr. Rachi. Shout out to Mr. Rachi. And his entire, there's like a two-week period in that class where he spent talking about the JFK assassination. And the idea that uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson uh, was involved because JFK was going to remove, uh, he was going to remove him from... Uh, as his vice president, and put in Terry Sanders, I want to say was the name. Uh, and that was the theory for why Lyndon was in on the assassination to have yeah. JFK See, killed. JFK is weird for me because it doesn't feel as much of a conspiracy as it's just a straight up, like, I think there was a pretty clear cut, whatever happened, like, yes, it's a conspiracy with everyone out in the world who has to think what happened. I think it's as clear cut as disagreement with political parties or the mafia or something like I don't really think there's much of a conspiracy no, I, he was just no, whacked off no, no, no. the whole mafia style or the something con- you know there's, there's pretty clear cut the conspiracy behind the JFK thing is not so much is there a conspiracy it just the whole story seems very strange and I know so many people who could have a different take I know like 10 different conspiracy theories mm-hmm. about JFK assassination there's so many angles I think uh, you know you say conspiracy theory and, and conspiracies get laughed off pretty hard as like some tinfoil hat stuff I you know I don't I'm not the type of person that believes every conspiracy that goes around but I do think that with something like JFK or maybe something like 9/11 it is you I think you would have to be crazy to not think that there might be a little bit more to a lot of these stories than is given to the general public. Yeah. There's more information that some people have that we the public don't yeah. have. I would like to because believe. they would never they would never ever tell nobody no government no you know governing yeah. body would ever tell everybody all of the information. That's not the way it yeah, works. Right. Things are classified in top secret for a reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they never, nobody ever gets all of the information about anything, no matter how harmless yeah. or regular. So, why would they about something big like that? Well, I'd like to think that the leader of the greatest country on earth would not just be shot out of a moving car for no particular no, reason. That's like, good, this just does not, there's something to that. Like, you just don't. No, no, different times. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Different times. No, 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 man, I'm telling you, this is what the theory was presented to me. You can't kill the President of the United States without the government's assistance mm-hmm. or permission. It's impossible. If uh, Jesus Christ, we're all going on a list. Why am I? Why, I don't have enough problems. What, what list are we going on? Saying that it's impossible to assassinate the president unless the oh, government's in. Oh, you on said it, it again. <laughs> oh, I voted for him twice. I'm just saying. <laughs> why are you talking about this one? We got it. this is. Bad. Oh, you mean, oh, you mean Trump? This is bad. No, oh, it's fine. Oh. Um, look, I'm just saying that. I think the JFK one is the most fascinating because there are so many different angles, and you can ask so many different people what they thought happened. And you'll get a different story. I think the Jack Ruby angle yeah. is fascinating. I think I think well, you could actually just read about Lee Harvey Oswald and be fascinated by him as an individual person. Yeah. That's the thing that there's so many angles. Well, I watched um, Bridge of Spies this weekend. How was that? Uh, it was okay, um, wow. but the, it wasn't that good. The premise, though was Cold War type of stuff. So that's what makes Kennedy so interesting is there's so many different webs within that spying Cold War circle thing that there's so much dirt and secrets going around at the time that him being killed, like, it doesn't seem like that crazy to me that that type of stuff happened. Like, this world was this close to going into all-out World War Three, and mm-hmm. Kennedy got shot to kind of, like... You know, yeah, that's kind of a trade. Like that's how hostile things were. It doesn't well, seem so such a big task. It's like, of course he did. It was a really trying time. But after he screwed up the Bay of Pigs, it was all yeah, over. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, great question, Kate. Kate Riley, thanks a lot for that one. That was a good one. You got any more conspiracies, Kev? The government's reading your email. Stop sending them to the Utica <laughs> There's no listen. there's no conspiracy there. That's a that's just yeah. law in Congress now. Luckily. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have my, I like to read about conspiracy theories. I like reading, I like to read about anything that presents, um, alternative versions of accepted wisdom and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of stuff that I think just gets accepted 
as, you know, stone cold fact when, you know, sometimes there's just only so much information that we have and we try to draw conclusions. For that reason, I'm really drawn to anything. I don't know if it's necessarily a conspiracy theory in the fact that there's a bunch of people out there covering up this, you know, truth or whatever. But I like to read about anything that has to do with alternate versions of history mm-hmm. and the idea that, you know, there's, uh, you know, anytime they find some, like, some bones or something, some human bones that are way older mm-hmm. than they're supposed to be and in somewhere yeah. that they're definitely not supposed to be, that says that, like, maybe our idea of, like, you know, pre-written history times, maybe we don't have the whole idea. And to think that there was a lot more going on, you know, in ancient times than we give credit to is really, really interesting to mm-hmm. me. And it's frustrating because that's the type of thing that you'll never know the truth about yeah. ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's, you know, time can only, stuff can only hold up, artifacts can only hold up in time for so long. Yeah, because you imagine, like, just from being Game of Thrones fans, like, during the, say, 1500s, during all of that kings and kingdoms type of deal, what kind of, consp- like, things were just being hushed all the time there oh, yeah. type of deal with, and nobody and I'm ta- was writing I'm talking about, about it? Like, there's I'm a talking lot of interesting either, stuff out there. There's probably theories galore that we I'm talking about talk even about. further, like, 2000 BC, like, the yeah. Sumerians and stuff like that. There's a lot of really interesting stuff when you get into reading about the Sumerians and about some different yeah. cultures from that time. Stonehenge? Like, I like reading about... Like thing for a while, too. There's a conspiracy for you, too. Like, just things like that. It's just where you wonder what these people did and how they did ever since they I was a little, Ever since I was a little kid, I've liked reading about you know, mysteries of history like that yeah. and stuff. So if that counts as a conspiracy theory, that's my answer. Yeah. If it Atlantis, doesn't, I don't care like that, yeah. because that's all you're getting. There are a lot of historical conspiracy theories, though. That's, that's, I guess that's maybe the premise of it. I don't know. It seems everything's historical tied to that. Hmm. I'm into it. Great work, guys. That was very good. Um, so let's move on to something. This is a lighthearted story. Let's try to get off the list. Let's try to get off the list. Uh, so... You guys remember uh, a product that used to be on TV all the time? Used to sell it in the stores. It was called Now That's What I Call Music Volume Blank. Yes. You guys remember that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, that's still a thing, man. They still make those. Sure is. And they made it all the way to number 56. Yeah. And you know what it's called? Now, 64. Now, that's what I I call rock music. It took them 56 hours. To get to rock music. I can't uh, imagine what kind of hot garbage they got shoehorned into that thing. It's all, it's all trash. I looked at the lineup. But I guess, I guess what my question is, is this the death nail in the rock, in the rock and roll coffin that they finally made? <laughs> now that's what I call music for rock music. No, no. They've been making terrible rock compilations to sell to people who spend too much time driving their minivans for 20 plus years. I guess. Do you remember the the Columbia House things where you buy like the CD oh, yeah, for a dollar? Absolutely, yeah, that's where absolutely. I would get my how many know, people my out CDs? How many people got ripped off on those, man? How many people have terrible credit before they're eighteen because they're because <laughs> of those Columbia House yeah. things, man? That's terrible. I used to do the when I was young, I did the Columbia House thing because I uh, I didn't do it, but I remember like my dad did it for me because I really wanted to get you know they get you all those twelve CDs up front. And then we would get the CD every month, like whatever the one they were forcing on you was, and they were always terrible. We'd always have to write Return to Sender. And, send <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that was the scam. But those yeah. 12 CDs up front did come, and I enjoyed yeah. all of them. Like a dollar a piece or something. I got a couple uh, I got a couple over-unders for you guys, but I want to take a shout-out to the story that I read today that I thought was crazy. This is actually from January 21st, but I went back and read it today. Uh, a Boonville man is planning to scale Mount Kilimanjaro in an effort to raise money for the Citroen Military Rehabilita- uh, Rehabilitation Program. The uh, guy's name is Paul Fortin. He's 69. He's an Army vet. He's leaving on... Uh, the hike begins on February 9th, and it takes nine days. He says, making the summit is optional. Returning home safely to Boonville is not optional. What a baller. That's, a, that's an intense thing to do for charity, man. To, that's like, well, the man, especially the man, is 70 years old. Too. Yeah! That's not like some, you know, young buck in his, like, physical prime. This guy's just going out there and, uh, dude, more power to him. Not me. Dude, winner. This guy not me, not win. once, not never. If he this needs a young movie. buck in his physical prime, he can call me. I'm open. Oh, you would be I'll dead. I'll be nine days with him. Oh, you would be me? dead. Are you kidding me? You almost died that day that you guys all took the two-mile hike into the woods to that pond and forgot to bring food. Yeah, but if I went nine oh, days. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> oh, we walked in New York and you didn't eat for five hours and you cried to the museum. Remember that? Yeah, because I wanted a taco. <laughs> I did want a taco. I've seen you almost not survive a Saranac Thursday before. <laughs> well, I'm not right. sending you up Kilimanjaro 
with Paul from Boonville trying to raise money for Citroen Home Veterans. He veteran. seems equipped I wouldn't, to be able to take me. I wouldn't he doesn't seem you. equipped to carry your ass up the mountain, baby said. I wouldn't send you to the Kilimanjaro ride at the Enchanted Forest Water Safari because I don't trust you to make it away to the top. Um, all right, let's move on to the over-unders. We also uh, just, by the way, we just confirmed we are doing at least one podcast from Enchanted Forest this summer. The fun never stops, guys. Uh, <laughs> when the fun stops at six. Dun, dun. <laughs> Strictly at six. Like hard six. Um, let's move on. Over-unders. Uh, tying back into the uh, the Patriots game and the Broncos game yesterday, uh, your boy, your kicker, yeah. Steven Goskowski, one of the best kickers in the NFL, kind of blew the game for you yesterday. Yeah, but uh, he's been so good for so long that you yes. just can't. I mean, the guy's literally uh, never misses an extra point. It was it was it took a cold day in hell essentially. So let's move on to the question: overrated, underrated, being an NFL kicker. I underrated. Yeah, I feel like, I still think underrated. it's underrated for sure. Yeah. It seems underrated. like underrated is the obvious answer. But don't you feel like the job security for a kicker underrated. is kind of bad? Well, think about this. You can play professional football where you have minimal contact. I would rather be a kicker for three years and get cut than a linebacker for five. You getting paid three years the way the kickers get, the linemen's getting paid? Well, not, there's saying, a lot of guys not being right. paid that. Great, so you're though. saying overrated? Too? Overrated. I'm saying yeah. overrated. Yeah. I'll tell you. All right, think about this for a second. If you want to be an NFL kicker, yeah. a kicker in the NFL, you have to be a kicker in college. You have to be a good enough kicker in college to get signed by an NFL team. At no point in time during this college career can you get hurt. Can you have a bad streak? Can you have any kind of bad situation? So as opposed to if you weren't a millionaire kicker, you go out and get hurt all you want. If you're Peyton Manning, there's less guys who can do what you do. Sure. I, the amount of people there's not can, there are more kickers than quarterbacks. There's like eight quarterbacks in the NFL now who there's are good a lot of bad in kickers. general. There's like a bunch of teams who can't play quarterback. It's so, definitely if you're Parkinson, if you're gonna make the argument that it's easier to be a quarterback than a kicker, no, you're not, out of I'm your not, mind. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying uh, the NFL's at a point right now where there's literally maybe three or four really consistently good kickers. Everybody else is 50-50. Like, when I go watch an NFL game, when that guy lines up, I'm still surprised when half these guys make extra points, to be completely honest. Sam, the question you asked for the overrated, underrated, though, is is it overrated or underrated being the kicker? Being the kicker. Not are the kickers overrated or underrated. If you're the kicker, your job is pretty tight. Yeah. And you got a lot of money for... Very little return. Like, yeah, yeah you know, you got to stay healthy through college and all this. And that. That's still four years. Your first contract is yeah. still more than most people well, make in two weeks you know, ago, five years. Walsh or whatever, at the Vikings game, for God's sakes. The guy makes three field goals in one game, misses the game winner. He's the only person who scored on the team all game, misses one field goal, and they want to run out of And that's the unfortunate negative <laughs> trade-off that you get sometimes when you make a whole ton yeah. of money for doing very little. Could you imagine Tiger Woods golfs every single shot, and then at the very end he brings a guy in to do the putt? For him, you know what I mean. Hey, if, if Tiger was bringing people in to, to hit golf balls for him, he might start winning the tournament. I will. So who knows? All right, uh, and let's move on to the last overrunner of the day. Uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, finally, after all this time, legendary rock group The Beatles was added to Spotify. Overrated, underrated. The Beatles. Justin, tell me why you're wrong. See, I hate when you give me ones that are are pushed because it's not a fair answer. But, like, this one's – you can't say underrated. Why not? Because they're uh, – and you can't say overrated either. Like, they're they're on par. They're the best, right? Accurately rated? Yeah. Accurately rated. I mean, Um, you can't say yes or no to one – like, you can be pretty neutral on the Beatles, I think. Like, there's no wrong – Wrong answer, right? I mean, well, you're wrong if you say that they're terrible. This ties into a conversation that me and you had, me and Kevin had with a friend of ours who was mad that a young person didn't know who the Beatles were, and we got into a debate. That idiot Kanye. They were specifically mad about the when when Kanye put out the song with Paul McCartney. Yeah, and then Kanye's marketing department made fake Twitter profiles to have people go on there and make jokes saying. Oh, I don't know who this Paul McCartney guy is that Kanye brought up, but he's pretty cool. Why is he so like whatever it was, and that was like a big like yeah. fake controversy. Yeah. <laughs> but he was mad about that because he thought it was real. He thought those were real people. But even had those been real people, he was upset. He's like, How could these people not know who Paul McCartney is? Talking about like sixteen year olds. For in all intents and purposes, the Beatles have not put out a new song in like thirty years, forty years, right? Yeah. Talking about like, whatever, they had that one song in the anthology, which is not very good. No. The, the point is, I'm saying, unless you have a parent or an older brother or somebody or an uncle, whatever, who has forced the Beatles on you or has played the Beatles around you to the point where you go, hey, what's this band? 
why would any kid under the age of anyone anyone under the age of twenty even know who the Beatles are anymore? I just like the Beatles have come around to being underrated because there's no reason to know who they are anymore. That's not fair. No, no, but think about it. You are right in the fact that we are now dealing with generations of kids who are being raised by parents who discovered the Beatles secondhand. Yeah, true. That's, That's kind true. of the thing. Like, it's a weird time now because, like, these kids and younger generations now have parents who know of the Beatles because it was their parents. Yeah. yeah. I think and with each passing generation, those yeah. people will thin out. You know what I mean? I think if you're, in, if you're someone who enjoys listening to music, like, you go through phases when you're, when you're young, um, when you listen to certain styles of music and you get over it or you realize it's not for you, but you go through those generational periods where, like I always say it, you get your Skinner for like a run, so you get like oh. Southern Rock, um, ACDC. Like you're fed into these kind of genres. CCR, we're going to be CCR, Southern yeah. Rock, man. Well, point being is that you're kind of pushed into these genres that are just accepted as the norm. Right. So like if you're not sent to the Beatles some way, whether it be your parents or your friend or something, like it's a lasting legacy that I just don't think you can avoid for 100 years, to be completely honest with you. No, you can't avoid it. But finding the Beatles now is harder than it once was because they're just not promoted in a way. Spotify. Yeah, now they are. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing because you don't have as many people. Now, you can't avoid them forever, but you don't have kids growing up. I remember when I was a little kid and I remember like my mom talking to me about seeing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan when she was young and how her and all my aunts each had the Beatles they loved and they were all marking out for them. We're getting further and further removed yeah. from that time, and it will take them much longer to fade than it will some god-awful band like Skinner, who was wildly yeah. overrated. Yes. But it'll take much wildly. longer for the Beatles to fade, but the Beatles will fade to some degree to the point where it, they become less culturally ubiquitous. You know what I mean? Their yeah. influences will never go away, but that's just the way time goes. If it happens to them, though, it'll happen to everybody. So It already happens to everybody. Kids, if you're under the age of 20... Go listen to Abbey Road. If you're or the age stop listening to the show. <laughs> stop <laughs> listening to the show. <laughs> Two exciting things with your young under 20 life. Like, listen to the Beatles. Uh, yeah, yeah exactly. On your iPods. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, it's been a good time. Uh, thanks to Mark Simon. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. My name is Sam Famalaro. Get at us, unicast at gmail.com for all your mailbag questions. We'll be back. Let's do